You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. So, uh, I'll just say this, okay. Um, I've been I've been a pastor for quite a few years now. I don't know. I, I add it up every once in a while, and I forget how long it is. 20-something years, though. And I've been in ministry a lot longer than that. And uh, I've been married longer than just about everybody in this room. I, I, I started thinking about that the other day because I told you last week, this July, David and I will be married 44 years. Yeah, and if you didn't hear it last week, I said, you know, I married her when she was two, you know, so, okay, so that's why she's still young, right? But um, we've been married a long time. And so I don't, I don't share this uh, just because, look, I've been married longer than you, and so I know more than you do. But I don't share it that way, but I share it this way, that I've been married longer than you, and I've been in ministry longer than some of you have been, in, been alive. And so I've watched people with strong marriages, and I've watched people whose marriages fell apart. And I've seen one constant in all of this, and it's what I'm going to preach to you this morning, okay? So this comes from the Word of God. But it comes from my experience saying to you, if you, if you believe me, if you'll trust me here for a second, that God's way works. It works. It works always. I've never heard anybody say, me and my wife did everything we could to follow God and it still fell apart. Never heard anybody say that. In all the counseling sessions I've had, the prayer sessions I've had, I've never heard anyone say, we tried everything God told us to do and it still won't work. Never, never had that happen. You know, if, if both parties are trying to follow God, I've never heard that happen. So I want to share with you from the Word of God today. So let's, first of all, let's revisit the story last week that, we, that, that I shared. You remember the woman at the well? I told you, man, this one's full of, just full of stuff. And Jesus said, go get your husband. The woman says, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you, you said, right, you've been married five times. Now the guy you're living with, he's, you're not even married to him, okay? So I, I got to thinking, you know, this, this story of this, how, how, did this, how did this happen? You know, none of us can imagine being married five times, right? I mean, you don't do that when you're 18, 19, 20 years old and you're starting to think about those kinds of things. Is it one, I'm going to be married five times. You don't think of those things, right? You know, but this woman has. So maybe, maybe it was like this. They, they got married with, with just all kinds of promise, but one of them had an affair. And then she ends up divorced, and she finds someone else. And you go ahead and bring up, I got a list there at the bottom. I, 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 told, I told him not, uh, not to get ahead of me this morning, so thank you for that. And, uh, and so she gets married again a second time. And you know what? They, after a little while, they start focusing away from each other into things outside of the marriage. I'll let your mind wander with that, because if you're doing that, I don't need to qualify it. I need you to think about that. And so it ended up that just they just kept drifting further and further apart because they were focused on things outside of the marriage and they were focused on things other than, them, than, than each other. And so they ended up divorced. And, and then she marries another guy and, and uh, they're constantly arguing about money. They can't agree on money. They're focused on one another, but they're focused on the, how the other person is spending money or wasting money, Right. And then she gets married, she gets divorced, she gets married again, and, and uh, there's just no communication whatsoever. I mean, he comes home, plops down in his recliner, turns on the TV, and answers her in one-syllable syllable words, you know, and just grunts at her and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and so they end up divorced. And so then 
She marries one last guy. She's, she's given up maybe, and, and uh, her friends say, you got to meet this guy. This guy, is so, he's so much fun and everything, and so she ends up marrying him. Then she finds out, you know, he's so much fun because he's half drunk all the time. You know, that's why everybody else thinks he's fun, but they don't have to live with the drunk. So she ends up getting divorced, and uh, then she's just living with a guy because what's the use anymore? She's given up on the dream like we talked about last week, right? Why did I, why, why did I, I don't know that these are the reasons that her divorce is, or her marriage is all ended in divorce. I'm just kind of imagining because the reason I gave you this list is because this is the list of the top five reasons marriages fall apart in the United States of America today. And the sixth one is physical abuse. Uh, and, and, and listen, I, I throw that one in there also because, you know, I'm not trying to assign blame here where, you know, because, uh, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say that, uh, you know, she was innocent party and all this because, I mean, if you, you've been married five times, you've got to have some, you know, some blame right there. You've got to accept some of the blame yourself. But perhaps some of it wasn't, you know, and when, when uh, you're in physical abuse, let me just go ahead and say this and get this out of the way. I want you to understand that's just a totally different situation than anything else we're pretty much going to talk about today because if you're in a dangerous situation, get out, okay? Okay, understand that, right? But other than that physical abuse, these are the five reasons. And so American marriages, yeah, they're falling apart. Half of them into divorce, they say. It's been the stat for decades now. So what do we do? Is there any hope? I mean, where is there any instruction? I mean, there are all kind of books out there, right? And these people that are buying the books, you know, you find them in their, in their divorce sale, right? Because the books just aren't helping. Is there any hope out there for a great marriage? Glad you asked because, yes, there is. God has a formula. And Jesus gave us that formula. So that's what I want to preach about here the rest of this time, okay? Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Okay, now, anybody heard that before? If you ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard that before, right? And so it's like, oh, pa yeah, yeah, we've heard that, Pastor. But that's the problem, is we hear it, but we don't listen to it. We need to dig in to see, see what it is that Jesus is saying here. And the first thing Jesus is saying is from the beginning. He's saying that God's formula, his plan, has not changed since the beginning. And what's the saying, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So that's what he's saying. It ain't broke. And so God is never, he's like, my father's never had to change this. He's never had to change this. The plan is still the plan. The formula is still the formula. It still works today. Ah, but you, some of you say, but marriage is broke. Half of them in the divorce. No, no. I want, I want you to see this, right? It's because those five reasons, the top five reasons for marriage is falling apart in America today, they are nowhere in this plan. I don't see them. Do you see them? Somebody read between the lines. Are they up there? No, that's the problem is we're not following the formula. This formula is not broke. This plan is not broke. Your parents' plan might have been broken. Your parents' marriage might have been broken. Your grandparents' marriage might have been broken. But this plan is not broken. And if they broke theirs, you understand, you can grab a hold of this. And you can still make your marriage work regardless of what has happened to your parents, grandparents, and on, way on up the line. You can still make yours work if you will take the This formula still works today. That's what I was talking about. 
I've never had a counseling session or a prayer session with a marriage that was falling apart that followed this plan, where both parties followed this plan. Never had. Never had. So let's, we know this, but we've got to dig in a little bit because we've heard, heard it all, Pastor. I understand. No, no, no. We don't understand it. If we understood it, our marriages wouldn't be in the trouble that we are, that they're in today. So let's dig in. The four things are listed here. Incidentally, some of this is some of the stuff I share in premarital counseling. And uh, if you're struggling in your marriage and you want some marital counseling, uh, talk to me and we'll, we'll see about doing that as well. But here's the first thing he said. He said, from the beginning, God made them male and female. I don't know if you noticed, but that's right in the middle of the screen. Pastor must not have anything to add to that. <laughs> you know, normally it's at the top, right? Because I got stuff to add. Pastor ain't got anything to add to that. You know why? Some of you want me to jump into the politics right here, don't you? I know you do, yeah. Uh, I, I, I know how you are. I'm a pastor for a while, you know, and I, uh, when you have those open times of discussion type classes and stuff like this, it seems like everything keeps going one six. So we open this, this, this right here, and everybody wants us to talk about this for a little while. But let me tell you something. Everything I say beyond that is going to be something that just opens it up for discussion. And can I tell you something? It can't be said more plain than that right there. And so the only thing I can do is just say what God said. What God said. Okay, it's there. And, um, and oh, you might not like it, but it's what God said. We might not want it, but it's what God said. And when we struggle with people that we know and our friends and our family, but it's what God said. It's not what this church said. It's not what this pastor said. It's not what your friends say. It's what God said. So that's just, I mean, it's just plain there. There's really nothing that I could add to that. So let's move on, okay, because that's plain. Here's, here's the second thing is they leave behind. Okay, now, when we hear a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, we think about, okay, he packed his bags and he went and lived somewhere else, right? No, 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 that... That is about that much of what he's talking about here, okay? Because if you think throughout history, there have been, there have been many cultures where families just kind of stayed together. Somebody gets married and she just moves in with the whole family. I mean, she's got generations living in one house. So it's not even about that, not, none whatsoever. It's about that other word, commitment, is that you leave behind sometimes. Now, it doesn't mean that you forsake. Okay, just consider your family. And, and uh, there's so many things I need to say here, and I don't have time, so I, I'm going to try to hurry. I hope you just jump on it, grab it with me real quick so we can go on. But it does not mean you forsake your parents. It does not mean that no matter what, you know, matter what's going on in your parents' lives, you've got you to still, like you promised your wife to take her to, uh, take her to uh, Chick-fil-A, okay? I, I didn't say somewhere really, really nice because you're worried about it, reservations and all that, right? You, you're taking her to Chick-fil-A and your parents call and one of them has fallen and broken their hip. You don't say, I'm sorry, uh, I've got, I got to take my wife because I promised her. You don't do that, right? You still have responsibility. To, that's not what this word here is saying. But he's saying is that's not your primary responsibility anymore. Your primary responsibility is now your spouse. That's what he's talking about. So you leave behind in that way your friends, your family, the things you trust in, the truths that you know. I mean, there are some th truths that I knew when I got married that David has taught me in an entirely different way. 
and I'm a better man for it. Actually, I think in a lot of ways I was a kid, so I'm just now a man because she's taught me all these things, right? And you, you leave a lot of those things behind. You've got to let go of a lot of those things because this is your relationship now. And let me tell you, I, I, I want to scare you. If you're not married, I want to scare you right now. You know, I want you to understand because you need, you need to get this. That if you can't make that spouse, that person that you're engaged to or that person you're dating, if you can't make them number one about everything in your life behind God, if you can't do that, then it's not time to get married. And, and listen, I, I know, oh, but we can't postpone. We can't postpone the, the wedding. You know how embarrassing that would be? Better a couple of weeks of embarrassment than a lifetime of a marriage that wasn't supposed to happen in the first place and struggling through all of that. But, you know, here's another thing that we, you've got to leave behind. And this, this is about today, okay? This is something we're seeing a lot today, feelings. Y'all know what feelings are? Feelings can be the very strongest enemy of a marriage. Because what happens is if you, if you keep living by your feelings, because I have this happen, I've had this happen so many times in pastoring, people come to me and say, well, I just don't feel I love him or her anymore I don't care <laughs> you stood before God and said until death do us part I don't care how you I wake up a lot of mornings I've done, I don't feel like a lot of stuff I don't feel like sometimes I don't feel like getting out of bed sometimes I don't feel like you know being a I just I just like to be a regular old Joe sometimes you know sometimes I don't feel like being a dad I don't feel like being a granddad I hope none of my grandkids heard that did they I, I you know sometimes I don't feel come on now I don't feel like that, but I've made a commitment. I had those kids, and I knew they would have grandkids for me. I made the commitment to be a dad. I made the commitment to be a spouse and to be a good spouse as best I can be. I made the commitment to be a pastor. It, I don't care how you feel, but we're in this time of self-everything, right? Uh, self you know, self-love you know, and self-acknowledgement and self-determination. I mean, just self blank you just fill in the blank whatever's there and it's such an enemy it's such an enemy to your marriage because many will end up saying I, I don't feel married anymore I don't feel like I love them anymore you've got to go ahead and bring that up I, I said I might skip this if you are a hyper feeling person you have to be more conscious and cautious of letting your feelings and emotions detail and derail your life because that's what your emotions will do they will detail your life. They will, they will give you the details of what your life's going to be, and they will derail your life and your marriage. And if you're one of those people caught up in emotions, you're going to have to be more wary of, uh, than anybody else in the room. You've got to make sure. Because what we've done is we bought into the deception that the goal of life is happiness, right? I mean, is that not what people think today? The goal of life is happiness. Man, there are goals that are so much greater than happiness. Peace, that's a good one. Fulfillment, purpose. Friendship is better than happiness because you know what? I mean, if you've got real friendship, that can last you a lifetime. How long does happiness last? Happiness is situational. You know, tonight, half of the football fans in America are going to go to bed happy and the other half going to go to bed mad. And you know, and here's, think about this. Some of those people are in church right now, like you are. They're worshiping God. It's a man, this is awesome. They're just so happy. Ooh, they walk out the door and they're just so glad. Man, I was glad I went to church today and their team loses tonight and they go to bed like they've lost everything. 
all the way from here to here in the last, you know, 12 hours, something like that, right? How does that? Because happiness is not the goal. Ben Shapiro, great quote here from Ben Shapiro. I don't know him as well as some of you know him, but he says, this is, this is good. He's a Jew. He's not a Christian. He's a Jew. He says, the problem is that society bought into the lie that marriage is supposed to be a fairy tale and that anything that falls short of magic is a reasonable excuse to end it. Mm, mm. You know, almost like, don't, don't read for a minute. We need to think about that. That anything that falls short of the fairy tale is a reasonable excuse to end marriage. Ooh, that's the fairy tale. Real life with someone is never going to be a fairy tale. Never going to, never going to be a fairy tale. Can I have somebody who's been married more than 10 years give me an amen right there? Amen. Oh, thank you. But when you take vows, but when you take vows, if you aren't married yet, you listen to me, you're going to give vows before God. Now, you can, you can do it at the courthouse. You, you can just fill out a paper. You don't have to, but if you stand before God, you're making vows before God. And if you take vows and you commit to growing together, your love matures into something much stronger and more valuable than that initial spark. You see, that's a, and that's the thing is, that spark, oh, it was so, it was so warm, and, uh, you know, that, our feelings again, right? And we chase after that spark. That spark ain't lasting. If that spark doesn't become a flame, if that spark doesn't sometime combust into full-out love and devotion, then you're going to lose the spark. The spark, will never, the spark will never exist as it is for forever. You've got to grow that into something else. Because, and this is the fairy tale, we've got that spark will always be there. No, the spark's going to become so big that you'll be able to weather those bad days. That when there is sickness, when there is times of no health in the family, when there are times that you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, a spark's not going to get you through that. When you've lost a little weight and somebody at work starts coming on to you and you think, well, my spouse at home ain't giving me the time of day, a spark's not going to help you say, no, thank you, and run like the Word of God tells us we're supposed to from those youthful lusts. A spark's not going to get you there. But when you commit and you nurture that spark into a full combustible flame, it will help you get through anything that you've got to deal with. God's word warns us. Let me say one last thing here about feelings. He warns us against following our feelings and tells us what is more important is to follow our commitments. Here we go. Jeremiah 17, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? You can't trust your feelings, amen? You can't trust your feelings I mean, because, how, I mean, half the time, come on, half the time you get ticked at somebody, then you find out that ain't what they said and that ain't what they meant. And that ain't, you can't trust your feelings, and that's going to happen with your spouse too. It's not going to just happen with people you barely know. That's going to happen in your marriage. You can't trust your feelings. That's what God is telling us here. And then Habakkuk chapter 2, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Here, faithfulness, commitment. And then Romans chapter 1, the righteous will live by faith. Galatians chapter 3, the righteous will live by faith. Hebrews chapter 10, and my righteous ones will live by faith, not by feelings, not by popular opinion, but by faith 
and commitment to what God says in his word. So it's about, that's what leaving is. It's about commitment, okay? And so if you, I hope some of you who are engaged here are almost engaged. You are sitting here scared to death. Now, I hope because you need to think about this. There needs to be a holy fear in your heart before you stand before God and make these vows to your spouse because they are vows that are supposed to be made for how long? Oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Here's the next thing Jesus said. One, they become one. All right, now, if you've ever heard me talk about the Trinity, you know that I say, hey, look, I've got a math mind, you know, and one is not three and three is not one. So, you know, I don't really get that. And same way, I don't get this. One plus one is not one. That's what, God, that's what God says. Jesus is saying here, they become one. One man, one woman become one. All right? That doesn't work in my mind because you know why? It's not a math equation. It's a divine scientific equation. It's a science that is so high you and I can't understand it. It's called fusion. Y'all know what fusion is, right? Fusion is where two, two things do become one. They become one. They fuse together and no longer. I mean, you can't pull them apart. That's what this means. You can't pull them apart. They are one. They, they haven't just come together for lunch. They have become one. They have become one. And, and this oneness is exemplified, and I, and I, and I think it's probably, I, I, I probably think it's more tied in than, than most of you here today, but I believe that this oneness is exemplified and tied into sex. Okay, I'm sorry. I said that word twice today already, right? Uh, but it's tied into sex. So let, let me give you this. Sex joins two people on a very deep level. We become one flesh in God's eyes. Listen, this is why sex before marriage is destroying so many hearts, dreams, hopes, and marriages. Sex joins two people at a very deep level, even if it's a one-night stand. Sex brings those two people close on a, such a deep level. And then, then they split and they go off. And it's like that, that depth of emotion was just there, boom, and then it's gone. You know, this is the, the reason that Jesus gave as the only reason for divorce and remarriage in the New Testament. Jesus gives it. And it's right there in those verses that we just down a little bit further. Let's go to that, that scripture. This is Matthew chapter 9. We were verse 4, 5, and 6 a minute ago. This is verse 9. Jesus says, I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery. Whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has already been unfaithful. Okay, so here, see, here's what's going on. If you'll read the Old Testament and read all those laws and everything in the Old Testament, especially all those things about when, when, a, when a man and a woman have sex, it says that he is to take her to be his wife. Listen. Nowhere in Scripture does God tell us what a wedding is supposed to look like. You ever thought about that? Because he don't care about the wedding. He cares about the marriage. He cares about becoming one. And there have been cultures throughout history that God has, God has blessed unions of marriage not because they stood in a white dress and a white tuxedo with a top hat or whatever in a, in a church somewhere, but because... They committed to one another. There's a word that used to be used a lot. I, I don't hear it anymore called consummation. When you consummate the marriage, it means you had sex. You know, you get married and then you have sex. You've consummated. It's like then you've really made it. You've made it a marriage. And uh, in, in the Old Testament, we see that that's, what, that's basically what made people married. 
And then we see Jesus saying this. Here's what, here's what he's talking about. When a, when a man and a woman get married, they become one. They have sex, and they, they are one in his sight. There's this oneness that is so deep because it's, it's, it's not just a physical thing. It's physical, it's emotional, and it's part of the commitment that is there. But then if one of them has an affair, if one of them has extramarital sex, now they have become one with someone else, and they have broken this oneness apart. And so this is, and that's why Jesus said, that's the only reason. Why? Because this sex is part of this. So I'm telling you, this is part of the form, this is part of the, the plan. And so if you're not married and you're sexually active, stop. Because you're messing up the plan. Let me say this, if you're not married right now, you might be 15 years old, 14 years old, 13 years old. And have no, no plans. You might be like my 12-year-old grandson. Every time you see somebody kiss on, on, on TV, you go, yuck. You know, you might, but let me tell you, you're going to be married one day. Almost every one of you, if probably every one of you is going to be married one day. And you are going to have all of these enemies that we listed on that very first, very first part of this sermon. All these enemies are going to be attacking your marriage. When is it time to build the fort? In the middle of the battle? When the enemy has shown up, no, it's time to build the fort when you know there might be an enemy coming. And so you might be 12, 13 years old today. You need to start building the fort right now. And, and Jesus tells us exactly what the fort looks like. And so this is part of it right here, is having sex before marriage is breaking down this. And it, it doesn't mean that you can't have it because anybody that's had infidelity in their marriage, they can tell you, oh, it's possible to stay married, but it takes a whole lot of work. It takes a depth of forgiveness and compassion and grace and patience day after day after day. And not just on the person that is forgiving someone, but the person who has committed the adultery and is having to be forgiven. They're having to have patience to every day. I've got to rebuild this and rebuild this. I'm telling you, this is serious here, so take this seriously. And here's the last thing, and, and, and I've got to hurry because I'm past my, the time I've allotted for myself. He says, lastly, let no one separate. And this means monogamy. You know how God feels about divorce? Malachi 2.16. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. I like that he threw that in there. The Lord, the God of Israel. I hate divorce, he says. Pastor, there are divorced people you're talking to right now. You, you just tell them God hates them. That's not what God said. He didn't say he hates divorced people. He hates divorce. He hates what divorce has done to those divorced people. He hates that. Let me tell you, anybody sitting in this room that has been divorced, they hate divorce too because they had a dream. They had hopes. They had amazing, and it fell apart. They had divorce too. All right, J.D. Greer, here's a quote from J.D. Greer. He says, marriage is not about you. Divorce is all about you. Now think about that just a moment. Now, just, just remember, if we're not talking here about physical abuse and all that kind of stuff, okay? We've already talked about that. That's a totally separate subject. Outside of that, divorce is all about you. Now, if someone has broken that, then yes, it's about you and you getting your life back together maybe. But divorce is all about you. And unless that's been broken, unless those vows were broken by your spouse, you still made a commitment no matter how many times, no matter how many times she squeezed the toothpaste tube from the middle, no matter how many times he left the toilet seat up, no matter how many times 
he stomped on the trash instead of taking it out for you because you knew that it had something in there that was going to smell bad in a couple, of, a couple hours, right? No matter how many times they've disappointed you, you made a commitment that through all of that, you're there. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Do you believe that when God speaks something, it's going to happen? If you believe that, let me remind you something he said over and over in his word. What you sow, you're going to reap. Whatever's planted, there's a harvest that is coming. So here's a challenge I want to give you. Bring up this, this last slide. Choose monogamy for your family. Determine to not sow divorce into your family. Leave a legacy of marital fidelity and commitment. You see, here's what stats show us. Divorce runs in circles. It, it, you very rarely see a large family, an extended family, where there's one divorce. Normally you'll see zero or you'll see multiples because once it happens, it begins to keep happening. I knew I'd be way over my time when I got here, and I didn't know if I wanted to share this or not, but let me just share this real quick if I can. In my mom's family, I've got nine, nine, wait, let me count again, make three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, yeah. I've got nine cousins, males and females, okay? I've got, so there's ten of us in mom's family, and we were pretty much raised all the same way. We believe, we believe if you messed up, God was coming to get you, buddy. You know, we, we believe that. We believe this is serious business. We don't just do something on Sunday morning for an hour and 15 minutes and don't think about it again until next week. We were actually because we, we had to think about it several other times because we went to church on Sunday night and on Wednesday night. And, and if there was a singing down at the Baptist church on Friday night, we went there. And if there was a prayer meeting at the Methodist church on Saturday night, we might be there. You know, so, so you know, it, it was hard to forget God, you know, and he's there all the time. And of those 10, counting my marriage, I wish I'd have added up the numbers of the years. But there's not a divorce in any one of those families. And I backed up and I looked and I said, well, there's not a divorce in my mom and her sisters. And I, and I backed up and I, back, and I backed up and I had to back up several generations to find the first divorce way back, way back. You see, when, when, when you, if you choose, well, I'm just getting out of this thing. You know, kids are grown. No, no, kids are grown, but they've got marriages too. When you sow divorce, someone is going to reap divorce. Choose to not sow, not sow divorce into your heritage. Make your legacy about commitment. Make your legacy the plan, the formula that God gave us from the beginning. Sow that into. I, I want to, um, we're going to close, but before the worship team comes back up, I didn't want them to think this is the, this is the cue. I want to ask, I want to pray over every married couple in the building. And uh, if your spouse isn't here, that's okay. I want to pray over you and, and them. My wife is in the nursery, I think, today because uh, they, we had several sick that called in. And so she's, she's kind of always plan B up here on the front row, you know. And so she's not in here with me. You may be in here by yourself. I still want to pray over you. So I want to ask everybody that's married, if you will let me pray over you, I want you to stand right where you are. Don't move. Just stand up, if you will. And I want to ask, if you're engaged, then I want you to stand also because I want to pray over you as well. And um, I know some of you might say, well, I, 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 I think I'm engaged. You know, I hope you kind of know. <laughs> but if you think you are, stand too, okay? <laughs> All right, just take a hold of that 
possible uh, fiance's hand to squeeze it, and they'll know let's stand up together, okay? I want to pray over you. But I, I want to give you one more little point before, before we pray and before we're, we're going to sing one more song together and worship God um, one more time before we're closing. But I, want to, I want to share this one last thing with you, okay? For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. How, how long is that going to be? Wait a minute, preacher. Uh, before I say I do here, how long is this going to be? Who knows? It could be a year for some of you, and death happens. It could be 44 or uh, someone was telling me yesterday, I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before, about uh, members of their family have been married almost 70 years. So, you know, let me encourage you. Let me tell you something. Stats show that because they've done surveys, they've asked people, are you happy in your marriage? You know, tell me how happy you are. Do you know the happiest people in marriage are not the people who just got married in the last year, but the people who've been married 10 or more years? So stick it out. It gets better. I know some of you are thinking, oh, shoot, i got to wait three more years before we hit that 10, right? <laughs> no, no. If you stick it out, because at some point you're going to move beyond love and spark and fairy tale and that stuff, you're going to move into commitment and you're going to realize your marriage now is all it was ever meant to be, a commitment in that good and that bad and all of that. Uh, for how? No, no, no. Don't forget this. Marriage is not a time commitment. It's an everything commitment. It's all. After Jesus, this person that you are promising and committing to is number one the rest of your life. Oh, yeah, there are going to be other people coming into that family. You're going to have kids, grandkids, and all of that. But this person you're married to is number one behind Jesus. Make that commitment today. I want to pray over you. And I don't know what your marriage is going through. But in just a few moments, prayer team members are going to be on either side here for whatever the needs are today. If there's sickness in your family, you need a, you need a job, financial needs. Man, there's been so many jobs that, that have come through pray, praying here at 2911. Then I encourage you to come and let a prayer team member pray with you. But listen, if your family, if your marriage is going through a tough time, spouses come together and come down to pray. It doesn't mean that you're having... A you're getting a divorce which means you I, I mean every marriage is under attack in some way and I really encourage you to not just let this be the only prayer you pray over your marriage today come and let a prayer team member pray with you over whatever the battles are that are in your marriage the things that are trying to take you down you're standing and you're holding each other really close but there's something trying to still take you guys down come and come and pray over that okay let's pray father I come to you now over all of these marriages, God, and these almost marriages, God, uh, these that are engaged. I pray in Jesus' name as pastor of this church, as priest of this house, God, is a, as a, maybe a spiritual father to some of these. God, I pray in Jesus' name right now. I pray you renew the commitment. God, God, I pray that the spark grows into the fully combustible uh, fire that is not just love and feeling, but, God, that is a love that is a commitment. God, I pray, Lord, for all those pieces, God, that have been sapped out of us. God, the strength that isn't there. God, the joys, God, that have been stolen away from us. God, I pray, renew them and restore them. God, you are a redeemer. God, you're not one that gives up. 
Your mercies are new every morning. And so, God, I pray, redeem everything in our past. God, I pray you redeem it into that big, beautiful, awesome dream that you had for all of our lives, God. I pray for every marriage that it be strengthened, that it be established, God, and that, God, somehow every man and woman standing here right now, they find within them the commitment to make and to stand and to believe and to agree, God, together we are going to make it. In Jesus' name, and every married person and engaged person said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.